Yeah, what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Um, we start every group here off with a prayer, and Chaplain Lee is in the house. Come on, everybody. Let's stand to our feet. All right. Father, we thank you again tonight just for another opportunity yet to be in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for this night because tonight we are about to embark into step five, six, and seven. Where the rubber hits the road, this is where we need you the most. So we ask you, Lord, to be with us on tonight. Be with your manservant as he speaks to the multitudes. We ask you that when we leave here, we'll continually give you the praise, glory, and honor and rejoice in everything that we receive. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say amen. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you, chap. A um, couple of things. If you weren't here last week or you're wondering why the lights are down, uh, we, we got news a while back that people have been watching us online only. Uh, thought that it was just me talking into a little room of two or three people, which would be fine, except we are trying to let people know who are still incarcerated that we are here, that we have prepared a place for them, and that we're hoping to see them soon. And we... And that is precisely the response I was hoping to get because I need for them to hear you in Kingman, in Douglas, in Safford, in Perryville. And every place I did not mention, I need for them to know we love them and we got a home for them and there's, there's hope, right? So that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Tonight we are going to look at five, six, and seven as chap let out the let the cat out of the bag um, for those of you who have never been here we do it a little different maybe than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended we take a look at the instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book and we use this book in 12-step recovery why yeah the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety wow we got some sound fluctuation going so what we try and do here, not so much tell you what the book says, because what the book says to you is none of my business, but I can show you how I find my experience in it. And the reason I want to do that is the authors of this book told a very profound story of being in a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and then being redeemed from that into a level of life better than the best they'd ever known. And the problem is, if we don't tell their story and we start telling our story without aligning it to that, we may end up with a very different story. Does that make sense? So, so this is testimony, and it's not good to change somebody else's testimony. You know, it's, it's like changing somebody else's recipe. If I mix it up enough, it's not going to taste like the one I was trying to copy. Right? Okay, so we're in a chapter into action, and that's on page 72 of your book. And they start out by saying, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? So the first thing 
we should understand is when they say we in this context, who, who are they speaking of? The first 100 who recovered, because some of us are not part of that we yet because they've told us who the we was, right? We, we may join them in the fellowship of the Spirit. They tell us that in a, ver a vision for you later, right? Okay. It says, we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. Is that what you've been trying to do? And, and if you're not sure, do you know why we would want a new relationship with a creator that at least the original fellowship half of them didn't believe existed they told us that although half of them were atheists or agnostics their experience proved that you need not be disconcerted in other words the experience they went through changed their mind does that make sense okay so, so the reason I might want a new relationship with creator is the more I've grown in the spirit what I've learned is I used to think people in the world used to cause how I thought and feel. And I have learned that the people in the world can simply reflect how I'm thinking and feeling. They have no power to cause how I feel. So if I'm having a crappy time in creation, I might want to check in with creator. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's why I'm trying to get this new relationship, why you might want to. Yeah? Okay. So then it says, we've admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. So how many of you have gone far enough to have done a personal inventory? Good percentage of you, good. So have we ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is? Self selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, all these various forms of self that Defeat us, yes? Okay. Well, then, if we have done that much, then it says now these are about to be cast out. I like to call to people's attention. Sometimes when we hear people talk recovery or even talk in religious settings, they talk like they somehow, now that this has happened, I have righteousness on my own. That's simply not true. These things are about to be cast out, but I ain't the caster. Do you understand what happened? Something happened in and through me that cast that baggage out. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So the reason I need you to get that part is this. Now they're going to tell me I do have to participate in this plan. And it says this requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we've admitted to God. Okay, we got to time that better. We've admitted to God. Remember, you're yelling all the way to Kingman, to Douglas, to. Remitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. So, in the preceding chapter, they told you how it works, the process. Okay? We there? Okay, and then they go on to talk to us about the experience of the fifth step and maybe even the fear of the experience of the fifth step. They start out with saying, this is perhaps difficult. <laughs> Especially discussing our defects with another person. So how many of you had some fear 
about discussing your defects with another. How many of you have not yet embarked on the step process because of the fear you have about disclosing something to another? Does it make you feel better that the first 100 who recovered and the first several thousand who they worked with had the exact same experience and it was so profound that they wrote it down here so that we'd know right where we were. We're trying to get you to understand that this power we gain access to meets us exactly where we are. Okay, so we think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. So how many of you have tried that plan? And it said there's doubt about that. Why is there doubt about that? Well, we, we've admitted things to ourselves before, but maybe the problem didn't go away, right? How many of you, we talked about it right, taking the facts to the truth. How many of you knew the truth, but didn't act in the truth? All of us, right? We're human, right? Okay. So there's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. So that was their experience. Does that give you some comfort? Explain to me why I should. And understand when I'm going to tell you why I should is someone explained to me why they did, right? And what they explained to me is I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd have made this much progress had I not taken action. This is the action I took. And what I experienced as a result is I found out that these limiting thoughts I carried about what I had done had nothing to do with who I was. It didn't define me. They were just things I did. And they were all wiped clean the minute I entered into service. Does that make sense? Okay. So the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So let's get honest with ourselves. How many of us are here to overcome an addiction? And how many of us are here just resting? And how many of you have thought you were here to overcome something and then, then thought maybe you were just resting? And then all of a sudden you had a whole new series of things to overcome. <clears throat> I can tell you I want to grow spiritually to overcome my addiction, but it won't matter how many times I tell you if I don't start showing you. And it's entirely up to you, right? Because I ain't mad at you. Okay, then it says, time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. So how many of you have tried to hide some embarrassing facts about yourself? How many of you eventually were able to share some of those embarrassing facts and, and some of the power came out of them? How many of you discovered when you started using those very embarrassing facts about yourself to uplift a fallen brother or sister who was suffering from the same condemnation you have once suffered in, you found out the reason you were brought through that experience is for that very experience of healing that you had to offer another. Okay, so then I, I felt something in here. How many of you felt that? That's the, that's the power we call God around here. Uh, that's why when I say God, you say 
because it's tangible and it's sensory and we feel it and we share it and that's how we know who we are and whose we are. That make sense? All right. So, so it says that we, having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. So how many of you had that experience? Any of you did everything you thought you should do? You went to the fellowship. They, they said 90 meetings in 90 days. Coffee makers make it. Meeting makers make it. All of those are true to coffee makers making it. All of those are true to meeting makers making it. All of those are true to 90 and 90 makers making it. But it is not the experience of the first 100. They said, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. And then they went through this whole elimination of self and this emboldened walk in that inner man. Does that make sense? Okay. And, and I don't know about you, but I was never satisfied with half doses. I want it all. Okay. So there is no rest of the program. If I fully enact three, I have agreed to advocate for my brother and sister as long as I have a breath in my lungs. So there's no rest of the program. The steps are not a workbook exercise. They're a manner of living. And the promises associated with steps are levels of consciousness that you will experience as you awaken and fall back into slumber in your human condition. Does that make sense? Okay. So we think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. How many of you thought your house cleaning got completed when you finally shared the fifth step? How many of you found out that was not true? The house cleaning gets started when I do a four and five, and then I'm going to do six and seven to get priorities and power so I can go out and start the house cleaning, which is the restitution for harms done and the life and service to others. Okay. So they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they'd lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they'd humbled themselves. They put the word thought in italics. Why do you think they did that? Yeah, the main problem centers in the mind, like Lance said. How many of you have thought yourself humble? How many of you have thought yourself selfless? Did you... Did you catch a selfie of you being selfless? <laughs> One cannot think themselves or act themselves into a state of being. One can only be in a state of being. Does it make sense? And it is the simple awareness of self which means I'm not selfless at all. Okay. So it says, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All's in italics. And I, hear, I heard you groan. I appreciate that. How many of you wondered what life would be like living a life of abstinence? Like my life has ended. How am I going to do this? Like zero fun. The reality is... I didn't start living until I made this decision, the one we talked about a few weeks ago. Then I knew what life was and life abundantly, and the story ain't told because I still got breath. Any of you thought you were forgotten a few years ago? How many of you discovered you were not only not forgotten, that you were deeply loved and your arrival was anticipated? 
chap told a, told a little story last night about how the father saw us a long way off. And we, we all congregate here in the house of the prodigal. Okay. All right. So, so it says more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Any of you relate to that? At least double. Where's my tweakers? Yeah, you guys got six or eight. No kidding. Fastest thing in the world. What? No, the slowest thing in the world is a tweaker in a hurry. Is that right? So he's very much the actor to the outer world. He presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. You guys have a persona that you like certain people to see you in? Do you have a persona you like other people to see you in? Did you ever sometimes get caught up because the wrong people were believing that one? And did you ever, ever lose sight of who you really were because of the act you thought you were putting on? Most of us relate to that, right? Okay. So it says he wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. Now they're talking about the war within, the storm within. I want this, but I know this. Does that make sense? And in that, in that storm, the world I live in feels like it's a very attacking place. Yeah? Okay. So it says the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. So how many of you had firm commitments to be an upright individual and then twisted off and your actions did not align with your professed intentions. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> I get it. Sorry, I love that. I don't know who that was. That was, that was really perfect. Sorry, coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. Come on, how many drinkers I got in here? We, we got vague remembrances? Tweakers have amplified remembrances. <laughs> These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they'll never see the light of day. He's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. Any of you relate to that plan? Oh, I hope no one ever finds this out about me. Push it down, push it down. Where's the power found? Deep down inside. And I'm pushing all my garbage down on top of that power, that sunlight of the spirit that I need in order to illuminate my path. Do you guys relate to the plan? Then we understand what the nature of the problem may be, right? <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. So psychologists are inclined to agree with us. Any of you seen psychiatric professionals? There should be a lot more hands. You <laughs> Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. We've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. 
Think about, we like to think we're an interesting breed of cat, us addicts of whatever stripe, because we have a fatal illness which we live largely in denial of, as if it were a choice. And we like to think we don't do that, but if you related to what they just said, think of that. I've spent thousands of dollars for informed medical opinions. I lied to get those opinions. Oh, I can't take that. I need to get, uh, I think it's Perka, Perka. Yeah, that, that other won't work. And some Ativan, because sometimes it makes me edgy. We lied about our condition, and then we ignored the results of the opinion that our lie derived. And yet we think we're perfectly sane, I got this. That's why we don't share opinions in recovery if we're doing it right either. I share my personal experience, yeah. right? And then you do you, do you boo. <laughs> so we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live longer happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So they're telling you to be thoughtful about deciding who you're going to tell your stuff to. Have you spent some time thinking about it? How many of you went through it and didn't spend much time at all? You spent a lot of time, but then when the person presented themselves, you knew that was the person. Any, any, come on, I can't see you very good, but somebody, let me know. That give me signs of life, something. Okay. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course will, want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So if you belong to a religion that requires confession, they're saying, by all means, don't, don't deny your religious tradition. If that brings you peace and comfort, just don't do it in replacement of your AA process. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's, it says, though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. How many of you wanted to do that? Any of you wanted to go to confession when you really weren't practicing just because you had some stuff that you kind of needed pr protected by the confessional? It's not uncommon. Okay. So we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Do you have lots of people you think are quick to see and understand our problem? How many of you had people that thought your problem was the drug you were using? And they thought you would just be great the minute you weren't using that drug. Did you prove them wrong? See, it's, if you're just looking at my externals when I'm in my running, they think they understand my problem. But my problem's deeper than what they see. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So, of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. Have you ever, ever run into one of those? Sean had a wife. That happens. How many of you have heard people in Alcoholics Anonymous that don't seem to understand alcoholics? How, how many of you have gotten mad at addicts acting like addicts when they acted like addicts around you? So even, even I don't understand it. How many of you have been mad at yourself for years and thought, 
Okay, so you don't understand addicts. You don't. You got no reason to go any further than the inside of your eyeball to get some new vision. You know what I mean? That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. We got to see our. We got to see our struggle as our preparation. Okay, so if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth, understanding friend. So how many of you have? started through this process, have gotten through the process, and are now showing others. Anybody? You should see a lot more hands. Come on. All right. So how many of you would have to admit when you first embarked on this process, you would not have described yourself as closed mouth and understanding? How many of you have grown significantly in compassion and closed mouth and understanding how many of you didn't do anything to develop your understanding, but it flowed into you? That's why they, they always have the under, as we understood him, that isn't a God of my understanding. That's divine understanding flowing into me. The God I understood then is not the God I understand now. <laughs> okay. So perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So understand what, be unaffected by what? That's, Lance has got it, unless someone's got a different answer. Understand that they are in the search for the truth. Notice how I'm demonstrating a difference between we're not in the search for their truth or my truth. We're in the search for the truth. And there may be some disturbing revelations about my truth and your truth, but the truth remains constant. Does that make sense? And so, so I'm going to try and grow in that and I'm going to have to be honest with myself whether I'm affected by the way they see themselves or the way they describe themselves. Some of these, some of you know things that are so disturbing to you that if someone came to you and told you they did, they did them, you would not be a good instrument of Christ's grace because you would judge them. True? And so if that happens, we're to recuse ourselves. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so it says, as the rule is, we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated there is no suitable person available. Do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? So there's always exceptions to Sean's point. If, if you don't feel safe, you are not safe. So if, if you're sitting there and you, you can't disclose it because of your circumstance or just because of where you are in the spirit, that's okay. You don't need my judgment on top of your own condemnation. I'll just start telling you stories about me and we'll eventually get there. Right? Okay, so if that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. So at least make that commitment to yourself. If you are uncomfortable in your current situation, when an opportunity is presented to you to unburden yourself of those past experiences that you need clarity in, then by all means, hold yourself accountable to that when that opportunity presents itself. 
Does that make sense? Again, we don't make too hard terms on those who earnestly seek. They tell us that throughout. It's suggestive. You'll know when you can. And don't lie to yourself forever. Right? It's a delicate balance. Just because I know I'm ready doesn't mean I feel energetic about where i got to go. Right? So I'm going to have to walk in it. Right? Ask for guidance and go. Okay. So we say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at and that he will not try and change our plan. But we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. So they just reiterated what I said. This is all about you and your honesty with yourself now. Right? So are you feeling restless, irritable, and discontent? Do you, do you need a little relief in the spirit? Then, then the way we get it is to move forward in our step process wherever we are. Okay? And it says when we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. They're giving you a little bit of headway. How many of you, when you finally decided to tell some things about yourself that you really needed to be unburdened with, you just sort of got through revelation who it needed to be and you started to spill it? See, they're describing what happened to them. You notice how they're not describing what they did. So if you don't feel flawed is what I'm trying to say. People teach this stuff like it's something I did that you're not doing. It's not what happened. I decided who was to hear my story, and then all of a sudden, bleh! Anyone know what I'm talking about? I can't claim credit for that. That's just what went down. All right. So, so it says, we explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. How many of you have been asked to hear somebody's fifth step? Anyone here? To a person, are we not honored with their confidence? So all I would say to you who are afraid, that are thinking, I don't want to bother them, they don't have time for me, you honor us with your confidence because I know you're not talking to me, you're talking to him, and I am humbled to serve. So do not, do not hold yourself back when you have an opportunity to spring forward, okay? So, so we pocket our pride and go to it. <coughs> Sorry about the cough. So they're talking about they draw a picture when they do things. The pride can stop me. I can go right into this process absolutely certain. I'm going to disclose every little thing except me. Maybe not the color commentary on that one thing. Right? I can walk clear into the process that way. So what they're suggesting is take the pride out of the pride box and put it in your pocket. Because this is about freedom. Freedom from me, so I'm free to be me. And not the me I thought I was, the me he says I am. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so once we have taken this step with holding nothing, we are delighted. So now they're telling you about a state of being they experience, and they gave a promise and a condition. So if you like to experience delight, what is our condition? Taking this step with holding nothing. So how many of you went through the fifth step, withheld nothing, still didn't feel delight? 
Okay, we'll, we'll get to that shortly, why that might happen. How many of you got through the fifth step and did feel at least unburdened? Okay, so we would call that to attention. Those are states of being. These are promises of the fifth step that are coming through because we're taking action. Yeah? Okay, it says right after that, we can look the world in the eye. How many of you wouldn't really have called it that, but found you did walk a little bit lighter? And you, 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 were, you really started to realize that you just weren't defined by whatever mistakes may have come up in your past. And, and you're just going to walk out a new creation because that's the deal. So it says we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. How many of you had a lot of trouble with that idea? How many of you discovered you grew into it? Some of us spent some time alone. Some of us thought we were alone, but we were never alone. Right? There was always something. We were always in the mix of something. And then all of a sudden, it, we needed to find out that we could be alone and then never be alone at the same time because that's how you grow in the spirit. Yes? Okay. So our fears fall from us. What they say all these manifestations of self were derived from? Driven by fear. Self-seeking, self-delusion, self-pity. Yeah? Okay. So we begin to feel the nearness of our creator. How many of you tonight have felt something stirring in you? Okay, so that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the actual sensory experience of awakening to that spirit within you, which is what's going to empower you to be a, a good servant. So then it says, we maybe have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. If you go to more religious settings, they'll talk to you. Enough about your religion. Let's talk about your relationship. That's what they're talking about. I may have had certain beliefs, but when I started walking in power, I didn't have to tell you you knew. Does that make sense? Light is self-evident. Okay. So it says the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. How many of you had that happen? And then... Rested for a little while. So that's a promise and a warning, right? Don't stop now. This is just the beginning, right? Fourth step was the beginning. Fifth step's the beginning. We're entering into this manner of living where we're going to continue to grow in consciousness. And the secret to that growing in consciousness is don't stop just because we feel some relief. We must be careful not to rest on our laurels, they'll tell us later. All right, so... We feel that we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. So they paint a picture again. How many of you felt like you lived a lot of your life on a tightrope? Had to do it perfect, whatever, why even try? Now it's a broad highway. And I'm walking hand in hand with the spirit. So I'm, whatever it is, it's for a purpose. Make sense? Okay. So then it says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. That's a, probably some of the most specific instruction they give us about what they do. I've done the fourth step. I've discussed it with somebody, a trusted, closed-mouthed, understanding friend. And now I'm going to return home and review what it is I have recorded. Okay? And it says, we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. I appreciate that. Because the experience of power is what we're thinking. We're no longer talking theologies or somebody else's God. We're talking about a power within me that has expressed itself when I poured out my heart about my deepest pains. 
That power met me right where I was, and it's not a theory, it's a fact. Does that make sense? Okay. So I said the first honest prayer I'd ever said at that moment on that day. And I thanked God from the bottom of my heart that I knew him better. And you know what was more important? That he knew me. The fact that he knew me and I knew that he knew me meant that I had a completely different life from that day forward. So, taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So the whole idea is to review what you've done. If you held that little thing, how many of you held a little something back when you were going through your disclosure process? How many of you had somebody look at you and say, okay, now tell me what you're not telling me? How many of you wondered how they knew? Well, I'll tell you what, there's a more tangible way we know. Because, remember when I told you we are delighted? Even when you're too dead in the spirit to know that you're delighted, when you've dropped that last thing, we get a flow of delight in us. And if I didn't get my hit of delight, you holding my hit, brother. <laughs> so now I need to know what it is that you know. And now that you know that I know, you might as well cough it up because it's going to hold you back. It ain't going to hold me back, right? Okay, all right. So we're back on the page 59. Here are the steps we took. And the first step says, the first five proposals, we're going to look at, at step one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, dash, that our lives had become unmanageable. So a number one step and a number two step experience, but we don't know that. They want me to do an act of faith and cop to my unmanageable life before I actually see the explanation where my unmanageability originates. Yes? So I'm powerless over alcohol when? Yeah. The insanity of the first drink is what they say. So, so it, it isn't that I, I'm powerless over alcohol only when I drink. I'm powerless over alcohol at any time because it has an allure for someone like me who's always looking for a spiritual release. Um, and then the unmanageability of my life is found in 50, 52, Sean? They talked about, well, we better go look. because, Yeah. And see if you relate to that. Um, said we were having trouble with personal relationships. Any of you discover that? <laughs> we couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. Couldn't make a living. Had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. You relate to all those things because that is the unmanageability of my life. That's what I tried to manage with chemicals. And let me say it a simpler way. I tried to manage those things of the flesh with spirits. Better living through chemistry. 
And I achieved spiritual release until I received complete human degradation. And still not, there wasn't enough. And I, me stopping drinking didn't stop that. Because I am a creature who requires spiritual inebriation. I do not live well abstinent. Does that make sense? So, if we admit to those things, and now we're back on two, and we know what we're doing on the second half of, of in the second half of the first step, then we're looking at two. We, we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So that would assume I've admitted partially to the insanity, at least with regard to my addiction and the hopeless state I find myself in, and that I'm committing to a process, right? I've come to believe that this power within me that I have now shared with another human being could restore me to sanity. I'm starting to see a glimpse of that vision, yes? And then three, because I've come to believe that or I'm coming to believe that, then I'm going to enter into a decision with that power to go within me with me so that we can disclose to myself these very various manifestations of self that have defeated me. I'm going to find out who I've been, what drove it, why if I need to, who I've harmed. I'm going to find out all of that in preparation to sit down with a closed mouth trusted friend and help me sort it out so I can bear proper witness when I move on from here. Does it make sense? Okay, so then I've made this decision and it said we made a decision to turn our will and our lives, my thoughts and my breath. No, it's really that deep a decision. People talk about it lightly, but that's why we enter into it with a seriousness. Because I'm now, I've already lived until I was dead. And I'm not going to get any better, this heap of flesh decaying in a pile somewhere. But this power coming into me, who now animates me, gives me life and life abundantly. But I am now his. Just as I was a Slave to the drug, I am now a slave to that, to that power within me. Does that make sense? So I need to understand that, because that God that I understand, that's what, I'm com that's what I commit to. Okay? And then I made the searching and fearless moral inventory, and I admitted to God, to myself, and to another human being the exact nature, and that's how I got to that point, to the exact nature doing all those things. Does that make sense? Okay, so now I got to turn over one more page, page 76. If we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So can you answer, did I do everything I could? Did I tell everything I could? Where's, is it Lance? Are you the one? Yeah. Lance said that he got his thing, he withheld nothing, and he still was not delighted. My guess is the person with him would differ. But sometimes, I, I think I was so dead in the spirit, I didn't know how delighted I was until some time later when I shared the experience with another human being. But I did feel a little unburdened because I had to spit out that one embarrassing thing that I was going to hold back. And one of the things I've learned over the years, and probably what Lance is sharing, is sometimes 
People are so full of self-condemnation that they admit powerlessness, but they don't mean the admission, they don't think to themselves the admission is real. Like they think it's an excuse. No, I am powerless to live without this animating force. And, and I was powerless over the flesh as I was running around doing all those crazy things. And I now don't want to be that. And I'm still just as powerless over that. But there is one who has how much power? All, all power. And that one is? So... I need to know that I'm ready at this point to move in the direction now indicated, which is to be a servant. Yes? And to use that musty pass to alleviate suffering for whomever are put in my path. Okay. So then it says we've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. How many of you have heard people try and shame people in our recovery rooms by saying, well, I won't work with you, you're not willing. Well, I, I wish they wouldn't, but let's caution them gently. Willingness is divine power. The only way anyone accesses willingness is through him. So what we need to do is be the hands and feet of the one who animates and show them the love that allows them to want to grow in the experience. Does that make sense? And it takes power to do that because we can be some <laughs> annoying creatures. So now they're going to ask some more questions. Are we now ready to let God remove? <laughs> Are we now ready to let power remove? I fooled you, didn't I? <laughs> remove from us all the things which we admitted are objectionable. Question mark. Guys, eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. I might say I'm ready if I want to impress you. But I'm not about impressing you if I want to grow in the spirit. So it, they want me to get contemplative now. If I am not ready, then I need to be honest with myself. And if I'm not ready to do this, then is there anything I'm willing to do? Which is why I might have to set some priorities. I'm willing to do this, but I'm not yet ready to do that. Does that make sense? So I'm going to... I'm going to do the ones I am willing to do. They wrote the book suggestively, right? To the wives, to the family, to the employer. Get a circle of support and then go out and do the hard stuff. Does it make sense? Okay. So then it says, can he now take them all, every one? Another question mark. Another self-reflective moment. We're getting serious, guys. In three, we spoke to a God we did not know. We spoke to the power. That's absolutely right. But we didn't know that we were known in three, which is why there's no amen. But by seven, which we're getting ready to get to, we need to get earnest because we now know what the manner of living looks. I'm going to go make restitution for harms done. I'm going to grow through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact. I'm going to walk consciously with my God. And I'm going to serve. That's what I'm going to do. And I know I'm not ready to do that yet. So can he take them all, every one? Because I need to calculate the cost before I begin the journey. Does that make sense? Okay. Then it says, if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. So the final instruction is, 
if I won't let go, be honest that I won't let go, and ask for willingness. Keep asking until it comes, and keep doing those things you are willing to do. Does it make sense? Because you will grow. Willingness is divine power. If you'll do the things laid out for you, you will grow. What you weren't willing to do before, you will be willing to do sometime. How many of you have had that experience? Okay. All right. So then it says, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. The amen is there now because I need agreement. Because I really need to walk in power. Because this is about taking captive the egoic thoughts. What will they think of me when I say this? What will they think of me when I admit this? i got to go own all of that in order to repurpose that so that I can walk in power as a servant. Does that make sense? And along the way, as I'm walking out as a distributor of this power, as I offer it to others, the healing I need that I don't even know flows through me. And the house cleaning is perfected as we grow in the spirit, which is why we grow in understanding, why we grow in effectiveness, yes? Okay, so we have then completed step seven. That's all I got. Thank you very much.